The following podcast is brought to you by Churro Flavor Chicharrones. Get them at Amazon.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 87 of the MTG Untapped podcast. I am your host. I am the Micah. And making his like fifth triumphant return in the last two months, three months, he is my friend. He's also yours. He is Costa. How are you? Just thinking about the very subtle difference between chicharrones and chichones. So, oh, what are chichones? <laughs> uh, I'm actually surprised Micah knows this one, but uh, I don't know. Do you have Do you have any Hispanic people in your family, Micah? Is that how you know chichones? No, I actually don't know what it is. Oh, you? Oh my God, it's uh, titties. So, well, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, also, the voice you heard is a uh, resident rapper extraordinaire, uh, Chrissy D. How are you? I'm good. See, I, I my mom. I'm half Puerto Rican, but my mom never actually decided to teach me Spanish. So, I took three years in high school, but I, I did. I guess I did, didn't pay attention or didn't get to that section. You know, Grandma watched a lot of novellas growing up, and let me tell you, there's a lot of chichonas running around in those novellas, like. That's that and the Weather Girls is like why you watch the Spanish like telenovela and stuff. Wait, you know? So do you know that and Telemundo? Telemundo, yeah. Would you do say you know Spanish Chris? and Greek? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I know enough in the pharmacy so that way I can sell drugs, and I know enough in Greek so that way I can cuss with my family. So okay, okay. Well, alrighty then. Uh, let's move on to the phase and we talk about that stuff that's just not magic. Um, she-Hulk is okay. Uh, Costa, you said you had some thoughts on episode three. You aren't fully caught up, but you said thoughts on episode three. Yeah, so I haven't watched four yet. We'll watch it tonight. Or Actually, we, the plan has been we've been watching it Tuesday night uh, right after basketball. So uh, as for episode three in the series as a whole, I think it's fine. Like I saw I, you know, I heard y'all's criticism about the... Uh, Chris, I guess, wasn't really aiming it towards the twerking so much as just like the whole post credit stuff. Um, yeah, I've just never been a fan of post credit scenes. I think I think they yeah. could usually find a way to put it into the episode, especially because I just watched Thor Love and Thunder and I was like, well, they just put all the jokes in the middle of it. I guess that's why people didn't like it, it was too much. So I, and that's exactly like I actually really like the fact that this twerking scene that everyone's making like a big deal about was actually a post credit scene because it doesn't been the continuity of me watching the show if that makes any sense so it's like it it, it doesn't actually was that episode three or or two sorry that, that was, was two right three two was that three three yeah three because then four there's four and five five which you haven't watched was oh a, so i've watched i watched four then okay yeah sorry i'm because the the, light, the latest one was with the with the girl making the pack with mephisto basically as a, like a sneak. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was four, and then five yeah, yeah, yeah. was four. Uh, so you was yeah, that so countersuit thing? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so some some caught up to to four. But anyways, back to three. Yeah, I like the fact that it's not in the main part of it is great because it it's just kind of like a little blooper scene to me, and I don't know. I, I mean, like, is it a little over the top? Sure, but I mean, a lot of the stuff is. And again, I'll just go right back to refer right back to what I was talking about before, where. I just like that the episodes or that these series are just different in general. So it's fine. Um, yeah, I guess as for episode four, since I already hinted at that. Yeah, uh, still think it's enjoyable to watch right now. Like, um, 
I like Wong. Um, I, I like how his character like kind of did the whole Thor thing where he was really serious and now has morphed into like the comedy side. So. Yeah, I, I like the show being focused on lawyers, but I do miss. I feel like there's something missing. Like it's a little too short. I would like it to be longer um, or for there to be a touch more action, just like an extra five, ten minutes of like little small fights in, here and there. I don't know. Yeah, I can agree with that. I definitely, it does feel like it's missing something, but I also I'm just kind of hoping it's kind of a buildup. Um, you know, if anything, the last episode being, you know, a little more combative uh, physically. So, uh, but I can agree. There's definitely something missing, but I almost feel like that's the case in most TV shows anyway. Right now, there's just not a lot of gravity to everything that's playing out on screen. Uh, we still need to see, like, who's the guy who sent the dudes who jumped her with the Asgardian stuff. But, um, I guess we shall see. I'm just waiting for the homie to roll up all blind and whatnot and whoop an ass. That's what I'm waiting for. Yeah. yeah um, so like uh, uh, the fifth episode, I'm not going to spoil anything, but essentially Costa is just about like, she's going to get her uniform is like a sub subplot to it. And so it's like the whole episode, you know, you don't even get to see the official she Hulk, you know, uniform. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like just adding that in or, making it a little bit longer. I don't know. I felt like it was built off with no payoff to the, that, sto- that part of the story that was going on. Right. Almost. Mm-hmm. It did tease daredevil, but uh, oh, okay. I, I, I mean, that's okay. just, that's I've, I've seen that. That's like always a thing between Facebook and everything else. You can't, uh, you can't get past like these little, luckily I don't know what really happens, but I figured daredevil was going to be in this one. So. Eh, um, all right. Uh, Costa wanted to talk about football as well, but as a uh, Texas Longhorns slash Cowboys fan, it wasn't a lot of victory going on for my football weekend. Um, although the Horns, man, they put up a valiant effort. That was an incredible college football game. Um, and uh, the Cowboys, you can just say the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I basically already given up on the season pretty much. Dak hurt his thumb. They didn't put any... Uh, of their uh, resources into the offensive line in the off season, really. And so I'm just like, if they don't care, why should I? Yeah. I feel like the Cowboys have just taken yet another step backwards. Um, I, it pains me because I'm not a Cowboys fan. I also don't want to be a Cowboys hater, but you can't help but recognize just the issues in the front office and this continuous, um, you know, how do you even call it? It's not really a drama. It's just a. It's like it's like the Kim Kardashian. No, it's not even that. It's like it's like the it's like a reality TV show that we watch with the Cowboys, and they're just constants. They just want to be right in the middle. They don't want to be great. They kind of don't care if they're terrible, honestly. So it might even lean more that way. But yeah, just not putting any resources into building the team. You know, Dak probably is a good quarterback, but. uh you know, we're kind of starting to see this trend. I feel like with a little bit of uh, injury proneness, you have a um, aging, if that's what you want to call it, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, and then the receiving core. I mean, they really just kind of gave up on it. So, uh, you know, it's it is what it is. Like, and that's the thing. Like, at least back in the day when Tony Romo was playing, it was enjoyable to watch the Cowboys. Now, like being in Texas, like it, it always having to be on and not even being enjoyable. It's just like, this is boring. Like, I just want to see football. They were fun last year. 
they were fun that's fine but even then you just kind of i don't know like the like even last year i just don't feel like i mean it, yes year, yes last year was better and this is only game one but i don't know if they're going to keep playing games like this this is just pathetic i just questioned all their offseason moves and then it just when you just see the way the first game played out it's like all right everyone who's questioning them all offseason just felt so justified and now it's like now what? Everyone was saying, what are you doing? And then it's like, voila. Yeah. As for but, the right. as, say, as for the Longhorns, yeah, they put up a good effort. Uh, I was definitely texting you throughout the game. Of course, you were probably sitting in front of the screen because I didn't hear it afterwards. But, I was screaming. Yeah, fair enough. Well, yeah, pretty big holding, uh, misholding penalty. But honestly, uh, regardless, like he should have made the tackle. So it, kind of what I've been saying about the mm-hmm. Patriots is, the reason why they get all these calls, quote unquote, is because they put themselves in positions to win. And so you'll notice that more. Um, however, that is not going to be this season because this season I'm expecting like, I don't know, five wins, maybe if we're lucky. Uh, it's going to be a pretty rough season. But, uh, you know, I've been I've been accepting this for a while. The fact that we even had a playoff chance last year was a nice little treat. But I think until Bill Belichick, um, I, I think ultimately I think he needs to go now. I think it's I think his time is come and gone i think that um he's definitely not willing to change um he's kind of living he's not uh bragging off of his legacy but i just think that because it's worked in the past i'm just not seeing much of a of a change like he still hasn't done very well in the offseason um in the draft you know the offseason he does well did well because he had brady draft i've just really never seen that other than getting like Gronk and Hernandez and a few other, you know, defensive players, but never really powering up the offense. So I think that's it for a while. I'm looking at a 10 year drought. So, well, I'm a Cowboys fan. It's been since 1996. Uh, Chris, uh, do you have anything you want to talk about with football? <laughs> Not really. I don't really watch. Um, I used to with my dad when I was a kid. We would watch Dallas games, but mostly just like the Super Bowl every now and then. So, I'm only laughing because when before I invited Chris on to the podcast, he's like, this is like the one segment I dislike. <laughs> so, no, it's not that I dislike it. It's just I don't have any information to add, you know? No, it's fair. It's fair. Well, alrighty then. Let's get into something that Chris can add to, and that is the untapped step. We're talking about magic that we played over the past week. And um, the three of us all took part in a draft held by Junior's Comics and Cards located in South Austin on Slaughter Manchac near the AGB. And so uh, we had a pretty good turnout. We had two pods, a total of uh, 17 people, so we had a 9 and an 8. Sadly, Chris was in the pod opposite. Costa and I were in the other pod. Costa was sat two seats to my left, actually. And so, uh, who wants to kick things off? Uh, Chris, Chris, uh, since you were in the uh, pod by yourself, why don't you tell us how uh, your draft went and all about it? Yeah, our pod was fine. Um, do you, Costa, do you remember the name of the new player? You got two players, uh, their in Discord information. One of them was Pablo. The other one was, um, I don't remember his name. I know, I'm actually drawing a blank, too. I don't know. Okay, this well, he, was a, he seemed like a good player in our pod. It was me and Rob and then a couple other. There's one weaker player and one... Um, very very young player uh he's like 12 that just started and um the the weaker player and the young player were feeding rob so rob's deck was incredible and insane and crushed me in uh round one i went to one otherwise but it did it sort of it's played out um 
the way that I've expected, the way that the formats worked out online for me as well, were a focused, synergistic aggro deck. I was red-white, multiple Phoenix Chicks, multiple three ones uh, that make tokens, and then a bunch of the token payoff cards that pump your team and go wide. Um, Ended up just losing to, uh, you know, four-color good stuff. And, um, I mean, part of that was a a really poor draw on my side where, you know, I I, uh, was on land six, and I was like, I just needed... I had, like, six different cards in my deck that would kill my opponent immediately. And uh, I ripped land, 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 land. And so that was the end for me. But uh, overall, it was it was a good time. You know, draft is always fun. And I like seeing how it plays out differently online versus in paper, because I've always in- preferred in paper play where your picks matter more. And it's, uh, uh, you know, hate drafting can be real or, you know, understanding how your opponents play and stuff can be part of it. I, I think probably the most the thing that excited me the most during the draft is I actually got to use my uh, it's not a boogie board, but it's similar to a boogie board where you get to uh it's like an etch a sketch where you can write down life totals. I was very excited. It was the first time I remembered <laughs> to bring it and it was like six bucks and it, it worked perfect. I love it so much. Yeah. I hadn't seen you bring it in a while, which when I saw it, I was like, Oh, Chris decided to bring it. Cause you always use paper and bad. So yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, I, it's just like, it's so hard for me to remember to grab stuff and my house is always like a, a giant garbage pile. So I have to, <laughs> I really have to spend some time cleaning it to find anything. Like the other day I wanted to find my game boy and it's like, I have to clean like three different rooms to try and find it. I'm, I'm just not going to bother. <laughs> I had the urge to play some of the old um, Yu-Gi-Oh dice game or like the Pokemon card game on the Game Boy. Those are those are the best. Yeah, Dungeon Dice Monsters. Let's go. I like the Dual, Dual City one. That's really good, too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, uh, commenting on your deck or against Shaver. I think it was pretty funny because Shaver's deck was really good. Um, and like it was really good and yours is really good. But he had like that strategy of like going wide and going over the top. And I was just like watching the game. I was like, dang it. Like, you know, not being able to push in the last little bit of damage a few times. I was like, oh, man, of course, you went against the one deck that just like matched up very well against you. So. But yeah, no. he had the I saw the in in one of the rounds where he beat me really quickly, he went one drop, two drop, three drop, and then the the pump spell that gives plus two plus two and you can kicker it to get plus one plus one counters on your whole team. And I saw that like pick four, I wanna say. So it would it would have been in one of his first pack or the pack right before him, and it went all the way around to him. I mean, like I said, I you know some of the picks are wrong when I think of taking like a, a Phoenix chick and it comes back to me fifteenth pick, you know? It's Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So you have some of that going on at the table where people just don't understand the correct power level of the cards and they make different picks. But um, yeah, when he cast the three mana sorcery that it's a rare that lets you uh, look for four car creatures of different power levels and uh, not power, levels, but you know, with actual printed powers that are different and then show them to your opponent and your opponent puts two of them in their hand and two in the library. And he showed me two bomb rares off of it. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to put the bomb rares <laughs> into your deck and then let you take these two card advantage creatures. It was pretty rough, but it was, it was more demoralizing than it was crushing, but it was still pretty bad. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, all right, let's move on to our pod. Um, Costa, you go, you start off, you start us off. Sure. Yeah. So um, I don't remember what my pack one pick one was, but then immediately after I got past uh, the Elder Dragon War and, uh, you know, there's nothing really that commits you to red from that. Like, it's not like a an archetype. It's just it's double pip red. And so I was like, well, 
I'll go ahead and take this and see what I get. And then immediately followed with like, uh, I think it was like a G2 amplifier. Um, I can't remember when lightning strike got passed to me, but I know I had gotten to that. And I think at one point, oh, that's right. I know exactly what it is because I'm looking at the card. The, my pack one pick one was Urtai Resurrected. Um, so I was kind of thinking to myself, okay, I'll go ahead and, and try the blue black. But then when I got past the Elder Dragon War, I was like, yeah, I'm going to try this like Grixis shell. Didn't end up panning out that way. It just really leaned more as a blue red deck with like uh, three black splashes, obviously Urtai being one of them, Phyrexian Rager and Tribute to Urborg being the other two cards. And then I had a Phyrexian Espionage, so I could kick it for the black if I had the black sources uh, and needed to do that. Um, I uh, unfortunately got the buy round one, so I only got to play two games. Um, my first opponent, I ooh, can't remember. I think I lost to my first first opponents well i ended up playing him next afterwards yeah who did you play for who was it was that it was that older gentleman i've never seen him there before oh yeah yeah uh, oh yeah i lost <laughs> uh so i lost to him because i played his deck for him um he was uh, a little bit newer returning to mm -hmm. magic and um he was making some plays and i could tell he was kind of new so i so i started suggesting things but in a way not like I wanted to make sure he understood that I was trying to help him and not uh, like finesse him. But he immediately in the beginning, what happened was there was a there was a rules judge or there was a rules thing interaction where I can't remember if he was trying to enlist something. I, I don't remember the play, but basically I told him what he was doing could not be done. And so he very he, he was like, look, you seem like a really nice guy and I want to trust you, but I don't. So he asked the guy right next to him and then he and he was like, oh, yeah he like i'm right or whatever and so he was like okay yeah yeah and so then i started like telling him hey before you do this you can maximize your damage and all of a sudden he was like oh so yeah you're actually trying to help me because he, he told me he had interaction at Pat, uh, pat's games and that um and those people over there i don't mean to poo poo on that card shop but just some of the people that go there are definitely there to spike um they're, they're grinders um, and I've had the same thing where uh, he told me the story that he asked somebody if this is how something works, the opponent that he was playing, the opponent said, yes, he went to do the interaction. The opponent said, you can't do that. He's like, you just told me I could do that. He said, I'm trying to win. You shouldn't trust me. So a couple of things wrong. Wow. With, yeah. A couple of things wrong with that. First of all, that's actually cheating. So if he had just told the judge there, um, that person would be disqualified or they would get a game loss because like, that's like lying to your opponent, knowing the rules explicitly that's cheating. But, um, Anyways, so nonetheless, uh, I powered his very good red-white deck. I mean, it was a really solid red-white deck, uh, even though it had like a lot of like dorky commons, uh, which we'll come mm. into later. But um, so he beat me, and then I played uh, Pablo, the new uh, player now at Juniors, and um, yeah, he was very he was a very good drafter uh, and player as well. Um, I just really outvalued him with uh, like kicking G two amplifiers. Uh, getting in with like damage from the electric static infantry um, and really just kind of power throwing it and is it deck. Uh, oh, and then the one card, of course, my favorite card. Um, I think it's my favorite card from the set uh, as a rare as Aether Channeler. Um, it's the two and a blue for a two one with three modes. When ETBs, you make a one one flyer, return an online permanent to its owner's hand or draw a card. Just like solid value. Not very powerful in the sense that like it's not a very high top end, but it's just like what you need when you need it kind of thing so um so yeah deck played out pretty solid all right naz for me sitting two seats the coast is right 
I pack one picked one that the cleric lord. I'm like, there was like no real good strong removal spell in the pack. And I can't even remember what else, but it was just like, it was a dud pack. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll take this card that I might play in a commander deck someday, maybe, possibly. We'll see. But then I packed, uh, two. I picked up a uh, Phyrexian Missionary, which is quickly becoming up there for my top uncommon in the set. At least the monocolored ones. Well, monocolored. Just like two, three lifelink for two. That's so good. And then all the there's so many raised dead effects in this set that you can just like or i raised did this to get this back i'm a raised dead play for exhibition gets get back this other thing and then it's just there's just like so many ways of doing that and uh as evidenced by my deck um i i i kind of blacked out for a little bit i think through pack two my plan was i only had um three maria outrider and i'm like so i was just scooping up the the dual lands just because like, all right this is the only way I can think of my deck to actually win a game. And then and the fifth, like the 10th pick in pack, no, 11th pick in pack two, I picked a freaking Lagomos, um Hand of Hatred, the three mana one three that makes a two one that with haste that you have to sack at the end of the turn. And then it has a, an ability that's not really related to limited at all that allows you to tap and DT if you... Uh, had five or more creatures die this turn. I would challenge. But either that. way, <laughs> I've had it happen to me three times. I don't even know how, but <laughs> I need to hear these stories after the podcast. But because um, that sounds incredible. But um, yeah, so I got that late, and then in pack three, I picked up. Um, my first pick was Garna. I was like, oh yeah, combo. I'm like, I remember I told. I can't remember if I said it on air, but I think I said to, to you at pre-release. I'm like, is this a combo? And you're like, yeah, kind of. But then we got the third piece of the combo, and that is Elos Ilkor, Sadistic Pilgrim. Actually, a constructed playable card. White and black for the 2-2 with Death Touch that uh, has uh, the Soul Sister effect for your side of the board, but never also when your creatures die, it pings them. And I'm just like, oh, this is great. Every time one of my creatures die, they uh, lose two life. So I have this two one that keeps attacking, and if they block it, they're gonna lose a life, and I get to draw. It's just like my entire goal uh, for my uh, or my entire game plan was just to try to get all three of these on the board at the same time. And uh, I won my round. I can't remember who I played in round one, but I remember winning fairly easily. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, um, and then in round two, oh my bet. I played Elias, friend of the podcast, Elias, and he got, um, we had a really close game one. Uh, eventually, I was able to just get there on the back of Eli- uh, the Elias Ilkor and some uh, the Lagomoth going. We just I call it Elias those. Ilkor? Yeah, we'll call it, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll call it Elias because a friend of the podcast, Elias. Um, and so I had those two going, and like he got me down to like one or two. I was able to like keep getting life back from the tokens and then swinging in. He's losing a life every turn. So eventually we call and then uh, he's got kind of mana screwed in game two. And then in uh, uh, the second match, I played against other friend of the podcast, Machete. And he tried to make Defender happen without any of the real Defender payoffs. He said he was going to mill me. And I'm like, I don't think that card's actually one of the strong payoffs you want for that deck. But either way, he was having fun, and that's the entire point of playing the game of Magic is to have fun. 
And so he, but his whole thing, he's got, he got a bunch of the four mana defender tutors and he's like, Oh dang, what's he going to find with that? He's like, I'm gonna find another defender tutor creature, play that one. And he just kept doing stuff like that. Uh, eventually I just assembled some sort of value engine and he just couldn't, uh, take it. And that's how like both games played out pretty much. And then in the round three, I played, uh, the, the, the gentleman that Costa was playing, I, I tried to like, he asked questions. Like, All right, you can, you can do this. And, um, I, I don't think I, he, there's anything like huge. Cause I tried to be a little bit more gracious with him as well. Just like, like sometimes like, like the turns would take a little while, but it was like, he's far from the worst at slow play. We'll just say that, uh, he still, he still played fairly decently, uh, in terms of speed of the game. But, uh, he actually took game one off me. I just couldn't curve out. He gets playing creatures. Then he played the, the, uh, overrun, uh, charge card, whatever it's called. Heroic charge. Heroic charge. He played that card that, um, Chrissy D mentioned earlier and Costa just informed me. Uh, he killed me with that. And I'm like, well, okay. But then eventually, uh, I was able to do a bunch of Garna and raise dead shenanigans. Um, I cast Maria outrider five times in our last game just for them dying. And they're like, Phyrexian missionary, get it back, cast it again, Tra- trade with one of your creatures. All right. Uh, braids frightful return or whatever that card's called. Yeah. And then get it back. Uh, ping you, uh, eerie soul tender, get it back. Uh, cast, uh, that killed him. And I showed him the, I had my third one in my hand, but I raised dead mirrors outright like so many times that game three. And I actually, I think that that's probably my biggest pet card in the format. If I see one in like my first three picks, I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing this, this draft. And, um, and that that's, will probably keep me from having a really awesome win rate, but I'm doing all right so far. I think, I think the card's actually quite strong. Yeah. So I, think I don't think that's I, a bad strategy. Yeah. It's actually, I feel like it is an archetype. I know a few of the pros have tweeted out the decks where they just have like mm-hmm. six or seven of them. And I mean, yeah, they're in their opponent for five damage. <laughs> all you have to do is live that long and then it just starts boom, 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 boom. So it also slows the game down. So it's like, it helps you get to your next one. Right. Um, yeah, it's like it's a strong payoff for being in that deck at common. Yeah, and that's not what a lot of the archetypes have. Either way, I went three zero, took home the victory, and won some Chinese cards. So cool. Yeah, if I can uh, actually before we move on to the next section, because you guys uh, reminded me some things. So the Elias Ilkor, I had two. So I'm red white, and I had two black red lands, and. When I discussed with Costa before starting the match, he thought he was like, "If it was me, I would play it." I had that and like one other the um the the Aaron the white white black also uncommon legend for white black and I thought about splashing them, but I would have to play some amount of swamps and I was like, I don't know if it's worth it. I think I should have. I just think this is kind of a format where you do that. Like playing your more powerful cards is just better than having you know three three extra heroic heroic charges, and so um I think. Cause they also fit the game plan. And so the other thing I wanted to say was, uh, well, I had two things I want to say, um, good on Pablo. I talked to him beforehand, you know, and he said he hadn't played in a couple of years. So I'm glad that his deck turned out well. Um, you know, it's always, it's always fun to be surprised when you see someone you're like, Oh, this is really good. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like riding a bike. You know, people don't forget magic sometimes. And then the, uh, the last thing I wanted to say was, um, I'm glad Costa. I love I love that that you uh 
that you sort of helped the, that player and that they sort of learned to trust you. Cause I remember a long time ago, back in Mage's Sanctum playing against one of the regulars, um, it was in Throne of Eldraine draft where they played their three ones and they, I attacked them for lethal because, because the three ones can't block. And, and so we, he was like, Oh, I didn't realize that. And I was just like, well, you know, you have a way to win. And we just rewinded the game turn. And instead of playing them, I was like, just play as if I don't know about them. Right. I'll make my attacks. You can block with your first striker, pump it. And then over the course of three turns, he ended up killing me because it was like, eat my creature with a first strike combat trick or a first striker and a combat trick did it again the next turn. And then the turn after played them and killed me and I drew lands. And I think, you know, sometimes when you're playing at F and M, I think that's right. You know, you build up friendships and you sort of create these connections with people that, that are much stronger and more lasting than the $3 pack that you're going to get out of the draft or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I just do that. So that way next time they trust me then I can actually just like tilt them. So I don't, <laughs> No, I, I agree. I mean, I think both of y'all know me at this point. Um, you know, I, I definitely try to build a community. I mean, this is why I put the Discord together and why, um, you know, I try to get people in, involved is because I want it to be, you know, a good interactive place to play Magic and where people can learn to get better. And honestly, like if, you know, teaching is like one way to get better. So like if you're able to teach things, then you're learning as well. And then also, um by them getting better when they come back, it presents more of a challenge. Cause I mean, that's why, you know, uh, Mike has given me many compliments over this podcast about me being a good drafter and this and that. And not to say that I'm, I'm, I'm not, but sometimes I'll take it with a grain of salt simply because, you know, sometimes we play against people that are new and I don't feel like I want to have the biggest challenge. I mean, also Mike has seen me in basketball, people will call, you know, some petty foul and, and everyone will get mad, be like, Nope, let them have it. Cause I want to beat them with the petty calls. And that's not the same thing as this. Like this is in the case where the guy was, is learning. And so I just want him to get better. Um, but yeah, to build off of that. So thank you. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think it's really unsatisfying for me. Like if I leave an F and M and I go to one, that's fine. But if I go to one where like one of the matches wasn't a match because my opponent just like, wasn't as strong a player it's it's definitely more satisfying to like help them learn help them teach and then they come back the next time and they're better and when you see people improving not only is it you know it feel good if you help them but also like it's more of a challenge and makes it more exciting exciting games yeah that's why i was glad I, I faced pablo at the end and beat him because i was like oh like even though he hasn't played in a while i could tell he had a very good head for for magic and so i was like i, I beat i beat a very solid opponent and I lost to a solid deck, albeit I piloted against me, but still like I taught someone lost to a good deck and played someone really good. So, um, cause like having the buy is always like the only good thing about the buy. Um, and I think for like, for most people it sucks. And for me, it does suck too, but I love to spectate still. And so I was able to like pass tokens out of people needed and whatnot. And so I did enjoy that, but at the end of the day, I still want to challenge myself. Um, one more thing too, before I move on, I was just going to say what kind of capitalize on what you were saying about like the difference between playing on arena and like in paper, it just feels so much different to like, ha- like not league play because like, I'll, like I drafted this deck. Right. And I think it was okay. Um, but then I remembered, I'm like, but I'm playing against the table. So I'm not going against another random deck where it's like fully optimized because their pod got, he got lucky in their pod and like no one got defenders or something. And so it feels good to be like, 
okay, I am making good decks. They're just not going to always be as good in league simply because you're going against the pool. And sometimes you go against like the, the weaker half and sometimes you go against like the really busted half. Right. And so, yeah, I just love paper draft way more. Yeah, for sure. So much so to the point that recently I went back and I played on magic online where you can actually like sit down and have to do an actual, you know, play in pod, except when you're sitting online and there's no communication and it takes like four hours, it's, it's way less satisfying than playing in paper, but it doesn't, it, it's weird because it doesn't feel the same, you know? Right. That's fair. Uh, to go back to your, the first thing you pointed out, I think you always run Elias. Oak. I don't care if you're a teamer, you find a way to get that boy in your deck. That's like, that card's really good. I don't know about the three mana one. That one's a lot more medium. No, it's it's well, that one. His deck is. Busted. I was base white, and I had uh-huh. a lot of token makers, so it made sense. But yeah, I think it's it's hard for me because in other formats, it's been correct to focus on the synergy as opposed to the power cards. And I think the fixing is so good in this format that I think it's actually more correct to focus on the power cards and the synergy. But it's mm. that's always a flex point that you sort of have to learn as you play. Also, Aaron is a synergy card, especially he's a synergy card in your deck. And and I think I know what you mean as far as medium, Micah. You're just saying like compared to like, like, do you have a lane where you're focused or do you have a lane where there's that borderline top end? This card like plays in both. And if he's able to touch the black, right, because he said red white. Yeah, like if you're able to touch black, like Aaron, his deck. I mean, just turning the little chicks into two twos, even if he has like, you know, one and like a couple other creatures is like heavy nuts. Yeah, there actually were games where if I had um, Aaron, yeah, I could have actually sacked the chick and then brought it back. Like chick, it it plays better than people think. Um, I've I've liked it every time I've played it. But yeah, it does just kind of sit there and never die. <laughs> it's a one one flyer. So having ways to like get it out and then, you know, bring it back is a is a big game. That's fair. Uh, yeah, it's more. I feel like that's like the more synergy card, whereas like the Elias is just basically like you just put this in your deck because it's good in anything, but pretty much. There's a lot of cards that make it better, but even just a two mana, two, two death touch is perfectly limited playable. Uh, and I kind of wanted to touch on um, the whole um, FNM attitude and ambiance because I'm not sure if y'all two have picked up on it, but I can get a little goofy. And just the, simply the way I interact with my opponents. Um, I like to... I, my whole thing is that when someone plays a game of Magic against me, me, Micah the person, I am the Micah, contributed to a fun experience for whoever I'm playing. And it's like, that's why I try and... Like, it's very... I feel like whenever someone plays against me, like sometimes I go in the tank and I just shut up for a long time. Especially if it's like, we're like round three and I'm like getting really into it. But for the most part, I'm just like, oh, you won the die roll. You know, you can draw more cards, you know. You can have card advantage just based on the fact that you won the start. Stuff like that. Um, Where it's just like very uh, lighthearted and joking around. And I feel like a lot of people could really just just learn. It's just like there's more than one way. It's like think of it like like y'all were saying. It's like think about the group. You're cultivating something. And just like your attitude going into it can really affect that. And it's basically how you interact on an interpersonal level, not just like with the game. 
don't know if I told you this before, but uh, I, I actually didn't like your attitude in the beat when I first started bringing you out to FNM because I thought because <laughs> I thought you were taunting. That's why, like, you would talk to uh, me, and I was like, like, why is this dude taunting me? Like, I bring him out here. He knows I don't really like trash talking, and I'm and I'm very like respond. So like, if someone starts trash talking to me, you know this in basketball, you've seen it many times. But yeah. like, I will I will eat them up. Like, and it's not just and usually it's not verbally. It's like I'll just go and start bodying them and 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 doing whatever. So, but then obviously, like I learned, I was like, okay, he's just really goofy. <laughs> All I know is that the one thing, and I know Chris absolutely hated it because I was doing it during a game of the Baldur's Gate where I call out the set from whatever set, like I had to borrow basics from the land station. And so I just call out the set from every basic. Yes. <laughs> and Chris is just like, well, you just stop. <laughs> or like yeah, the, I mean, or the monarch. <laughs> all hail King Chrissy D. I can't unlearn 20 years of like tight lipped focus. You know, <laughs> it's no, it's I've been fair. playing for so long that it's just, I don't think I could ever change how I play now. I mean, it does help when people have a rules question. I do sort of open up and I try and explain things, but uh, the way I play has been building over time, and I, 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 I can't imagine myself playing any other way. You have gotten better though, because I know we've, I know we've brought it up a few times, and me and you've had those conversations afterwards. Um, and oh, oh yeah, I, I don't yeah. mean the, the like not trying to be angry. I just mean that like when I play, I'm always quiet. I'm always like tri- tight lipped. I'm always. But I think that's fed into that though because i because like going not just from the mad part but like yeah you're still you're still pretty methodical and 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 like focus but even in our games you'll open up you know it's not a ton but it's definitely more than what it used to be where it's just like absolute silence like your fingers turn a card pass you know like that used to be you now at least to be like you'll kind of say something to me or to your opponent and then you'll be like all right well i do this this and pass it's just like a little more open you know yeah and here's the thing though chris was the one i was asking what these set symbols were for because i didn't recognize some of them i'd be like hey chris before this is like before i even played it i was like chris what set what set is this card from and he's like i don't know and then eventually i was like come on come on chris come on just just tell me i just want to know please it's for it's for me so i can develop and become a better magic player he's like fine he tell me he's like i play this <laughs> And, but am I also that uh, I remember the game I was doing that Chris actually uh, won and I was like, hey, Chris, can we make a deal? You don't kill me if I like kill them. And he's like, sure. And I do it. And then he's like, uh, what did you say, Chris? Like verbal <laughs> contracts aren't legally binding. Yeah, that, and he killed me. <laughs> well, you were dead that turn anyways. I mean, yeah, like, I was dead no matter what. <laughs> I just thought it would be a fun thing to say and then to kill you. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get that EDH politic mind. Oh. Uh. Oh, the memories. Well, we're like 30 minutes into an untap, and I'm kind of liking it. I'm like, we kind of went into this podcast not really having a really firm foundation of uh, what we want, really, really wanted to talk about. We had an idea for stuff we just can talk about. We might still touch on it. But I feel like this is just really good, fun, natural magic conversation. I don't know if we've, we're ever really firm. I'm just... Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm like, so firm all the time. I don't know what you're talking about, Costa. Chichones. Wow. Chichones. <laughs> I'm going to have to put like a PG 13 warning on this it's, podcast. It's anatomy. Even little kids <laughs> need, though. I mean, look, they use them to feed. Like, it's fine. I just can't wait to see what text I get from my brother whenever he listens to this. It's going to be hilarious. Right. Um, you know, he's going to be more he's like interested now just to see how many times this keeps on going. So. 
Maybe that this is a distinct possibility. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, that'll do it for the untap step. We've gone through our second intro segment. We are about to cross the 40 minute mark. Excellent. Um, I don't care. I'm having fun. All right. So next up, we have our newest segment underplayed EDH card of the week. It has been a hot minute since Chris got a turn. Holy moly. It's been over a month. Uh, Chris, what do you got for us? All right. The year is 2006. Uh, Kamigawa just came out. This is the first time I had my cards and I was playing them. And uh, I'm like looking at all these cards that I bought from 2003, 6th edition, and slightly before 6th edition. And uh, I was like, this card seems playable. I don't know. I didn't really like it. Fast forward to 2022. It's still a playable card in Commander. The card is Blessing of Leeches. It's a three mana instant speed enchantment in black that says at the beginning of your upkeep you lose life and pay zero regenerate enchanted creature a fact that you can save your commander because it's instant speed and that it uh, just lets you you only lose one life a turn which is easily offset by any sort of life gain and it keeps your key pieces alive through a lots of different types of removal not as much anymore but you know i don't know it it's a cool card and i think it sees a little bit of play and i think it's worth playing if you have a uh, build decks like me in commander where you feel like you need to play around very particular sets of cards and you have to keep them in play yeah i think this is a pretty neat underrated card here um the fact that it has flash on it um now we have uh the toad rider which is kind of funny that it plays well with that since it's a neon dynasty card uh tatsumara or something like that toad rider i think i have um, a foil one on my floor but i'm not gonna tatsunari tatsunari yeah so uh yeah and i mean i think the more i mean the fact that it just is an enchantment um regenerates one of those keywords that they just aren't using anymore and so you're seeing less cards that say you know like destroy dark creature can't regenerate so i think this is like secretly kind of a good offset to that of course exile is becoming more prevalent but even with that um i think it's a pretty fine card so yeah it's pretty simple it's pretty basic but like i said i i, I was looking things up it's it's a cheap common and it's a it's a very reasonable playable card i love old enchantments that give you some sort of protection for your important commander pieces and that has some synergy with your commander like um oh what's the one that i want in my zedru deck um well i can't remember we'll talk about it later because when i remember the zedru cards when we're talking about warhammer cards uh my favorite part about this is that it's most played commander on edh rec is yargle glutton of urborg that's awesome oh yeah i love that well all right your underplayed EDH card of the week is Blessing of Leeches. Okie dokie then. Let's move on to the main topic. Uh, and that is Warhammer cards. So over the past few days, uh, this week, Magic, uh, Massive Magic, Watsi has been revealing the cards that are going into the Warhammer 40k commander decks. Uh, Costa, why don't you tell us very briefly about like, how many decks are we getting? Like all that stuff. How you get them and whatnot. 
Yeah, so uh, we're getting four new decks, um, all with face uh, commander cards from the lore of uh, Warhammer. And um, now distribution, I will be honest, I think currently it's the same way you would get any other product, right? So you can get your them from your LGS. I believe W premium WPN stores are going to have the foil versions of these decks. Uh, everyone else will just have regular um non-foil versions of the decks but i I think the face commander will still be um foil if i'm not mistaken um and so yeah these decks are are a lot juicier than i was expecting to be honest i just thought that these were going to be some joe blow cards slap in there but um some of the cards they have in here are a lot stronger than i was expecting so Y'all, y'all just want to like go through, pick a few of our favorites. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead so and, oh yeah, you go, ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, I, there's, um, the the themes are like mono black artifacts. Uh, I think Grixis Chaos. I think it has. Looking at the cards that have been spoiled for it, there's a lot of Cascade cards, mm-hmm. a lot of Spell Matter stuff. Um, some very cool reprints in that deck. There's a uh, Past in Flames you know a chaos warp with new art there's an assault suit with new art which um assault suit is a card that i'm a a big fan of for zedru uh there's a lot of really cool talismans that have um new art um if you're not picking up the secret layers that's cool um but the card that i'm very most interested interested in is a karn the betrayer not karn like the regular karn but uh k-h-a with i don't know what what that's called when it has a it looks like a carrot above the A, R N. It's a four mana five one. It says, uh, "Karn the Betrayer attacks or blocks each combat if able." When you lose control of Karn the Betrayer, so whether when it dies or when it um, changes players, you draw two cards, and that's important for the next ability, which is, if damage would be dealt to Karn the Betrayer, prevent that damage, and an opponent of your choice gains control of it. So it's uh like a humble defector, but um, really really big and it has to attack every turn and uh you know i saw some sweet funny names on reddit for it i I think it was um non not humble defector what was it it was rumble defector that's what it was so yeah so it's like uh each turn it'll change players it does a ton of damage if it doesn't get blocked if it does get blocked it doesn't actually leave play it just draws cards it's a pretty sweet one it's a very crisp card. Um, would you say the colors were on that one? That one's just a mono red card. Oh, yeah. So it goes right into your, um, I'm sure you just said the name of it too. The Zedru but, uh, deck, yeah. Yeah, Zedru deck, yeah. That's like perfect for that. The most uh, interesting cards that I've I've been seeing have mostly been from the the, the Tyranid deck. All, a lot of those have to do with plus one, plus one counters, but they don't always start as zero, zero, which I think is a very interesting design space. Um, and most of them I'm thinking about for cube and stuff. Um there was a three mana three three with pay X and all the ones that pay X you put plus one plus one counters on them. And then if the X is five or greater, you draw a card and you can sacrifice it to prevent um, destruction to your tokens, I believe sort of like the King Darian. Yeah. Tyranid guard. Let's see. It says creatures you control with counters on them gain hex proof and indestructible until end of turn. But I think mostly just as like a three mana three, three that has this like, sort of semi protection ability if you're playing a lot of counters and um 
you know, it can also be a scalable threat. I think it's a really interesting design and I think it's pretty fair and pretty cool. So this is one of the times where I would say that this, because I, I hate the argument that every, every ability on a creature or whatever a card is kicker. I wholeheartedly disagree with that because uh, there's just so many nuances. I get the spirit of this argument, but for other people that just like add it in there without really comprehension, uh, it drives me nuts. But anyways, that is totally a kicker ability because you're paying, you know, up to a certain point to get the other ability. Right. And so I do like, uh, as I'm building my chromatic cube, um, I'm kind of leaning back into just like looking at like kicker cards and saying, you know, what, these are actually just really good, like for, uh, less powerful, but more focused decks, or maybe not more focus is a, the right word, but, like when you want to sit in between like something that's like very combo-y in like pre-con this like kicker cards and cards like that in particular um are very nice which i'll go ahead and spoil next week my um underplayed edh deck or under yeah underplayed edh card uh is one of those kinds of cards and so um but yeah no i i, I like those designs too um sorry it might look like you were gonna say something I just saw a card and I really want to talk about it. We'll hit it up. Blood for the Blood God. Eight black, black, red. So 11 mana for an instant. It has one, it costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. So no wrathing into this could be pretty easy, but because it's not just your creatures either. It says discard your hand, then draw eight cards, and then it deals eight damage to each opponent. Then you exile it. Yeah, I think the same deck doesn't have the um, Blasphemous Act, too. So that those kind of pair right together, right? One of them costs really cheap and wipes the board, and the other one then is also really cheap, and you get to refill your hand. Yeah. It's kind of, deal eight to each opponent. <laughs> it's funny because we've already talked about this card, but it's okay because the fact that you found it is funny. <laughs> Wait, when did y'all talk about this card? The very first time we they spoiled these decks, we talked about it. I think it was with Tree. I think Tree was on the episode with us. I think. So they they the very no way yeah how yeah they, like how long ago would that have been? Ooh, it's been a minute though. It's been like I think they spoiled the like the abandoned the despoiler or whatever like two or three months ago. So it's been a minute, minute. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. <laughs> How are you feeling about the um, the flavor of the cards in general? Um, so uh, Seth touched on this, uh, and I agree with him. I uh, maybe flavor is not the word, but I'll put it this way: the art they feel like magic cards, like they feel like yep. darker magic cards, and I'm I'm all about it. Like I think it's a very good mix. Um, I agree with him that if you look at some of the backgrounds of these, it's like city ravnica ish um and so i can totally get behind that but then there's also things like like if you look at like abandon the despoiler like that just has a very uh adultier feel of magic which truthfully i wish uh, magic would kind of play on that spectrum again because like i remember growing up um and watching people play magic like i was i was probably like in the fourth grade or something and some of the cards were like yeah very borderline like uh, if you've ever seen like old like conan the barbarian like comics and stuff i forget the artists but he's very he's very famous because like the women are like big chested and you know scantily 
Claude, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, it, very revealing, but at the same time, it really gives it a, a very barbaric feel. And so there's nobody on here that's like hyper chested and, and flaunting or anything, but the fact that it kind of borders that I, I like some of that appeal to it. Like at the end of the day, like this is a, you know, 13 and up game, but I still kind of want some aspects of it to be a little more mature because, you know, like those cards typically or the art of those cards typically are pretty neat. So I agree with everything Costa said. However, it just does. It straight up feels like another, you could see this being another plane of magic. It's like some sort of combination of Ravnica and Phyrexia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially the Tyranids, which, again, sort of like, I've listened, um, there's one other Cube podcast that I used to listen to, Soli Singleton, and they sort of, uh, in the pandemic, they weren't playing, they didn't like playing online, so they sort of uh, pivoted to doing Warhammer podcasts, and I tried listening to to one of them, one of their intro ones. It was like four hours long where they talked about all the different classes and races and some of the history in the background and the books uh, about, you know, what they are. And definitely some of these cards are really interesting to me just because I love the idea of these, um, you know, there's very, the Tyranids are very much like Phyrexians. They're like spores that land on a planet and then consume all the life. And then they get on their ships and fly to the next planet. And that's all they do. And, you know, I just curious to learn about like how this race got started and, you know, they say it's a hive mind. I was like, what, what's the, the leader? Like who, who, what's the thought that goes into it? I don't know. I just, I do like the art, but even more, I find the lore somewhat interesting and I feel like the decks reflect it. Well, um, you know, there's a, I think the, whatever deck has black and red in it, I think it's the chaos one. These, these pox walkers look like zombies. You know, there's this great unclean one that looks like this giant, um, like, like an adult form of Oogie Boogie from, uh from nightmare before christmas it's like the, the whole their whole thing is just demons and making more demons and spreading blight and i, I find it very interesting and very cool um also like i'm a big fan of starcraft and so i love this zerg-esque look and kind of playing on the same i'm sure they all kind of bounce off of each other but the same thing a sporish or uh, alien race that you know uh, they upgrade themselves and all the stuff like i just love the look of it and so the blend between, you know, cause I was kind of, I'm really, I was like really skeptical of like infinity and I still am to be honest. Um, cause I think it's going to lean more on the goofier, um, side of the art. Whereas this is just like, Oh, like for like bloodthirster, another great looking card. In my opinion, it's uh five and a red for a six, six demon with flying and trample. And when it deals combat damage to a player untap it after this combat phase, there's additional combat phase. And then it can attack a player. It already attacked this turn. Like the art on that one is just really, really freaking awesome. So now I'm digging it. Um, in fact, uh, when we go to Dallas, you know, you, you, I didn't realize you'd be interested in doing the commander little event that they have going on. So, and the fact that I might get one of these decks now, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of about it just because I'd be excited just to get one of these decks and jam it. So, yeah, they haven't shown off the Esper deck, but, um, all, all the other three, like two of the three of the other ones that they've shown, I'm, I'd, I'd pick the cards up cause there are cards that I would use and the decks look thematic and fun. And yeah, going to a commander zone where like, they again they just give you random decks that are pre-constructed and you play with them i think is way better than spending any amount of money to you know take have that seven minute discussion of what's the power level and then sitting down and playing and being like oh this is not actually correct we're (laughs) we're bad at this 
yeah the the it's funny they haven't spoiled the the esper yet but the secondary commander is actually the one that i i'm really interested in it's a what marnius calgar two white blue black so five mana for a three five legendary i don't know how you pronounce them like astartes warrior um yeah astartes sounds right um, and so master tactician, whenever one or more tokens enter the battlefield and your control draw cards, it doesn't have to be a creature token and there's plenty of treasures, there's food, which, uh, on, uh, admittedly in those colors, you're not going to see much food. Um, uh, but you know, just treasures in general, um, white produces insurmountable amount of tokens, clues, clues are another big one. Um, and then for the ma- the chapter master, so pay six uh, generic mana, create two uh, two two white Astartes warriors uh, creature tokens with vigilance. So it feeds itself. And I've told people about this when we were doing Commander Legends about having an engine. And so this is like the perfect like engine uh, commander. Like it's not, in my opinion, it's not busted. Um, because even if you slap down something like um, training grounds, like it only reduces this by two, so that's not even that big of a deal. Um, but the value that you get off of it's really pretty is like really awesome. Now, however, in, in our play group, uh, I know people like Daniel are just going to kill it because, oh my god, you're going to draw cards or shaver, but uh, it's not. It's really not that oppressive, and that's what I like about the design of this card. Probably one of my. I don't, I don't want to say my favorite, but the card I just keep going back to, and it's like, that's just a kind of card I kind of want to own. And it's one of uh, Chris's uh, Tyranids. It's Old One-Eye. Five and a green for a 6-6 six, six legendary Tyranid with Trample. It gives all your other creatures Trample. And then it makes a 5-5 five, five when it ETBs. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main, you can discard two cards if you, you can turn it from your... I'm assuming... Wait. Yeah, because it's, so it's a triggered ability in your graveyard? Is that how that would? That's how that is. Hold on a second. I don't look the card. I gotta get to it. At the beginning of your post pre-combat main phase, you may discard two cards. If you do, return it from your graveyard to your hand. Right. So yeah, it sounds like a triggered ability then. Well, all right. Uh, I it's fun, hilarious to me that you get like six mana. Here's eleven power. Yeah, it card definitely feels like a lot. I wouldn't put it in my cube mostly because again, the discard two cards. And just like replay it, make another token seems a little too much, but I didn't Can't realize how anyone heavy... for playing that in commander. I was gonna say I didn't realize how heavy they went with the the mono black deck, like mega black pips in here, which Oh yeah. I'm all about it, honestly, because usually when they're heavy pipped, usually the cards are pretty strong. Now, of course, they probably made sure that it wasn't like, you know, terribly strong, so that way all these decks could play against each other, but um still like they like i just i like the whole theme of it now these are these are great i think this is going to be a pretty good um home run if you will as far as uh commander decks that they've made because i not to say that once a year the commander came out it kind of all went away but there is a part of me that felt like once they started getting really focused with this stuff it i don't know just felt a little oversaturated um and the quality went down kind of like anything, right? Like anytime you mass produce, um, you start to lose a little bit of that quality, but I think here they definitely wanted to make sure that they, I guess, really tapped into that war hammer, um, part of, you know, the universe out here, uh, you know, people that really invest in a Warhammer, And, um, I mean, I'm hoping they'll like it. I'm hoping they'll kind of circle back 
because uh, now I want, you know, anytime they make a new creature type, like, you know, you want to, you know, you want the access to make it a tribal thing without having to always tap into, um, what you might call it. Um, I want to call morphers, but they're not morphers. They are, um, uh, changelings, 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 you know, you don't want to always have to use changelings as like your, your cheat way to get them in there. So yeah, I hope they'll circle back to this. I think one of the more basic, exciting things about these decks and about the Joda deck, um, that came out with this set is that I feel like maybe not in general, but at least for these decks and that deck, they've sort of upped the, uh, mana fixing to make it more palatable, which, Joda needed it, right? It was a five color deck. So you have to have like some better fixing. But um, the fact that they put in alternate arts of the uh, slow fetches, I think are really cool. Um, we haven't seen prints on some of those for a long time. And then the fact that they're putting in actual, you know, duels that, that are typed so that you can search them up is really nice. Agreed. Well, alrighty then. Is there anything else we want to touch on before we get out of here? So admittedly, I thought we were going to touch a little bit on the format uh, for Dominaria, but I know you had um, basically gone over y'all's first impressions last week. So I mean, I got time if you want to discuss some stuff. The only thing I'm going to add in there, um, just so far, kind of my my feeling on the format is it's terrific. Um, I definitely think that there's a part of me that is extra greedy and wishes that some of the power levels of the rares and mythics were a little bit higher to pull me into different colors because right now it's all about like personally for me it's like you know pack one pick one if there's not a legend that I haven't played with yet then I'm just generically kind of going for like the best card next pack best card and then I start to find my lane throughout that um and I think there's just so many routes to go in this draft. Honestly, like I, I think everything is viable. I, I mean, so far everything that I've played is viable. Um, I did go zero and three with the walls deck, but I went like hyperly aggressive, just trying to see what would happen if I like maximize. Like I ended up with like four of the O three wall, the clockwork bridge or whatever. I ended up with three blight piles. So I thought like, Hey, this would be great. But I also knew I was like, I really need a tutor defender, which I didn't find. And I probably really need the angel uh, or the bird producer, which we I me chaplain, the chaplain. Yeah. So, um, what ended up happening was what I thought might happen, um, that it would, be too slow to start activating the blight piles and um i i will say i think the part uh that really drives me crazy about arena sometimes is like um so for instance in the sorry i gotta sneeze one second bless you Whew, that was a big sneeze um so before this draft um i think i sent you that deck uh micah the black whites that was another defender it was it was actually really more of a black white uh like um sacrifice gain life because it had ill core in there um but it did have uh like five walls and two of them were the chaplains two of them were the tutors and i think i had one or two clockwork bridges i thought you had a walking bulwark in that i did not that's what i was missing from Uh that deck and i really wish i had it um but regardless it it was a seven one deck but like i went four wins and then immediately 
in three games, I went against green black and it had the stupid, um, the legend in there that whenever a creature dies, it's exiled instead. Total hoser for oh, the deck. The, uh, I was just Namata, like, the sapperling maker. Yeah. And I was just like, what are the chances of me running into three green black decks and them? And I, luckily I beat one of them, but still like, I was just like, what the heck? But then I ended up getting the wins Won this like whole run. I went against all the flyers and I'm like, this never happened. So I hate how arena does sometimes like you get stacked against. Cause like I said, in paper, you're not going to do that, right? Like there's not going to be three green, black drafters. And if there are, it's, I mean, that's crazy, but they're not going to be that strong. And so it's just really frustrating. Um, Cause it's like, if I went against like red whites or anything like that, like I'm trading the three threes, but I didn't even get a chance to trade blight piles. Like I just like got beat down by the, the two, two enlister and the, uh, protector griffin which is definitely high on the list now um and so that was really annoying but my point is uh there's just so many routes you can go in this format and it is turning out to be a very very solid format yeah so for this format what i want to say is like um it i find it interesting in that because i agree that it's very open and that you know you can play anything but at the same time I've always, you guys always rub me on this for being too greedy for playing the five color decks. I've been trying to do more of the, you know, stick to the synergies inherent in the two card piles in the, 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 the uncommons are leading you towards that are feeding you. And I've felt that I've just always sort of, now I'm losing to the, to the greedier decks where I, I feel like, you know, just the power level of their cards ends up beating me there's a lot of anecdotal experience from arena but i'm also um hitting a lot of land clumps where i'm always hitting one color and not my others and i mean that's just how it is sometimes it's just unlucky the way the arena is working but um i don't know like the format so far to me has been like where kamigawa i always kept playing and playing and playing and getting greedier and greedier and i i felt i found success where I don't think I should have been that greedy. This one, I'm trying to be more focused and not enjoying it as much and not winning as much. <laughs> so it's like, maybe I should just be greedier all the time. I don't know. I think this format lends itself. So I'll put it this way. And I, I think I've always told you this just the whole time as Micah puts his <laughs> microphone away. Cause he's not want to talk more, but I think you should play exactly how you play. I mean, and, and I say this to you directly in the sense that um, I've always commended you for how you're able to find the lines with green. Like, like your decks always work. Now, do they work the way Chris wants them to work? And like, make sure that on by turn five, you have, you know, one of each basic color and are able to play everything. No, but they work a lot better than what I see a lot of people do. And so you're, you're, are almost able you every time i watch you play unless you're getting to screw like mana screw which we all run into like you're able to play your stuff and so in this format there are times when you're going to run into somebody that has the really aggressive like red white deck which is very viable or red black or even some type of white strategy that's going over the top or whatever yeah like i think you should and greedy is not really a good word to to use because i think if you're greedy it'll punish you here but i think by tapping into those other colors and recognizing the synergies that they have with your deck and finding those lines, I think we'll, you'll be better suited because 
I've played those decks. I've seen Michael play those decks now, and they work very well. Like I said, like I only lose to you know very aggressive. You know, like their whole point is like go ride real quick and then hit me with like a charge or something like that. Um, but very rarely do I get outvalued, and so I think that this format is lending to that more. Um, you know, we're st- you know the format's still being figured out, and it's going to keep morphing because there are just so many different lines you can take here, but. I think it is correct to at least if you are able to touch multiple colors, do it. And at the very least, like domain is kind of a backup plan in almost all colors, like except for like, I can't think right now. I think red black may not have anything within. No, because then it still has Miriam Outriders, which still has a reach. So I think like even having that as a backup plan is still very much viable. The dual lands are like easily like, third pickable i think it's like you can be greedy but don't just like pick a bunch of different colored cards and then try and screw up dual lands it's like if you see a pack and there's a bunch of medium cards like i'm not talking like lightning strike or like these like premium commons but there's just a bunch of cards that you'd say are like 15 to 23rd kind of level cards just scoop up the dual land if it's in there it's like if it's if it's like one of your colors, I guess. If not, if not, heck, maybe you just want to run it. It makes you it'll help you be greedy later, and that's why it's like I I draft the dual lands very aggressively, and which is like something we'd always talk about because like we could be through pack two, and Chris is like, "Yep, I have like ten dual lands," because he just like would draft them very aggressively, and I don't think that's necessarily being greedy here. I feel like it's just like it almost just keeps you open more. And then basically, like, you just get to draft the best card in each color for, like, the most of pack three or however it, it'll end up being. And I because, as you said, domain, there's, like, there's, like, lots of payoffs in different colors. And in red, there's, like, this common that's just pretty bananas. Can I can I ask you all a dumb question real quick? I love dumb questions. All right. Dumb DQA, dumb question amnesty. This is I'm having a taco moment. I was looking at the spoilers for Warhammer and I saw that, you know, an evolving wilds and a terramorphic expanse. And they say they can search for a basic land. We've never been able to get duels with them before, but aren't all the domain cards, basic lands, but I'm trying to figure out what's different between the basics. From basic land. There's basics specifically say basic land on them. These are basic land types, but basics say basic on the lands. Okay, so you can't get a basic unless it says basic. Mm-hmm. Like, let me pull out here. Uh, the red. Oh. Yeah, if you see right there, it'll say basic land plains or um, mountain island. Swamp right, but so from forest. the fixing from the set, is it specifically that it's worded you can search for a land with a basic type instead of saying a basic land? Yeah, so here I'll, g- I'll give you an example. Sprouting Goblin is the one in a red for a 2-2 Goblin Druid with a kicker green. When it ETBs, if it was kicked, search your library for a land card with a basic land type. Reveal it, put it into your hand. Okay, and so it's the wording on it. Correct, mm-hmm. correct. Okay, okay. Yeah, which which is, you know, in the beginning, like, you know, luckily that's why the listeners have us to point this out, but we quickly pointed out that some of these cards are a little different in that aspect. This being the main one that I always look for because when I saw this card, I was like, this is immediately going to my Chrome Cube with all the Triomes and Shocklands. But yeah, like uh, 
that we usually don't have that type of effect. That's why I'm always looking like at cards specifically. Like I had to double check Knight of the White Orchid, where it's like search for a planes card because that doesn't say basic planes versus right. Some, the, yeah. Sometimes they do say basic, like the the loyal the, the dog that that was printed later and said search for a basic plane. So I was like, Arr. yeah, or the um the flipwalker, the Nissa's the one I I always remember because I think that's the mm-hmm. first time where they said basic forest as opposed to like just forest. Mm. fair enough but okay um, uh, thank you guys uh, it's just like i don't know i was able to explain it to other people right like i know how they play i know how it works correctly but i i just in my brain today when i was looking at the at the evolving wilds i was like why doesn't this work i just like my brain just farted out well it makes sense because a lot of times like it you know you kind of on autopilot and especially when you know, playing magic, like people always say, you know, to us, uh, you know, especially specifically me and Henry, a lot of times like, man, you'll play so fast. It's like, well, kind of like once we've seen these cards, like it's just like stuck in our head, how these things work out. Like there's not too many different lines. And the only time it really gets complex is like when you're playing against another player that's doing the obscure stuff and, and, and then, you know, you start to slow down and whatnot, but, um, yeah but yeah i figure um i don't know if next week we'll be doing run it back or the week after but we'll definitely have some some changes to our list moving i know i will have some changes to my list moving forward um except i don't know i'm pretty i'm still pretty high on garna and i'm still pretty high on the calvary uh oh those are gonna be so the uncommon (laughs) legends those are gonna be so hard to do Nah, i already have my two man it's 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 a lot i think garna is the best but i think they're all so good. I think mean, there's a lot. So, well, you don't give us too oh, much because not. you're the you're the judge, and we don't need to pick your. That's fair now. too. <laughs> um, quick question before we bounce, like so, this year we got Kamigawa, really freaking good draft. Well, well, it's great. No, it's it's, it's, it's a top. That was a home run. Yeah, it's top ten at least of all time. I can give that pretty easily. Uh, Capenna sucked. Eventually. Eventually, it was like, all right, you're in uh, blue, white, X, mm-hmm. or you're just not winning. I would, um, I would say Capenna sucked it, even without that knowledge because playing three well, colors was too hard. I, well, it was a very, it's a format that was very, it was found out. And like, if you draft it in paper, then it's like, if you didn't get that deck, then you kind of felt kind of bad. And if you're, and you just tried to force it on arena. Um, I'll, I'll touch on this real quick. I think Capenna was, especially for our playgroup at juniors, I think it was fine simply because we had new people playing the format and, and it did suck that we had the knowledge of like knowing what was better, but I did like seeing other decks being played. Like there was just different things happening versus arena. Like arenas was more streamlined. These decks, sometimes they would take the cards that you needed and you're like, Oh darn, like do they know how good that card is? And then they played out better. Cause again, you're on the league, but I agree after like two weeks. I don't think I necessarily agree. Cause I feel like when I was in pods with you or mm-hmm. Micah, I felt like y'all knew what to do. And so I just got forced into Grixis every time, which is fine. I enjoy playing Grixis, but it's like, that's also what I was playing online most of the time. Cause I would always get kicked out of band. And I don't know. I, maybe I just played too much of one thing. You know what I mean? I wish I could have played Jund more new capenna definitely lent itself to us simply because i think me micah and i were i mean i don't i can't remember if micah was i know i was real high on green white like from the get like i saw the stupid two three Mm -hmm. and i was just like and i got and i and i got cabaretti as my pre-release 
played with it. And I was like, this card is amazing. And I made sure I played it like forced it every time. Cause I knew how good that card was from just playing it one time. And so, yeah, there was like, I feel like an unfair advantage there, but I, I also feel like had it been played, like if we had like done like a few drafts in the middle of the week or whatever, I, I think it would have been a little more enjoyable, but ultimately y'all are correct. Like it ended up just souring really fast. And that brings us to Dominaria. So far early on, like we, I've done the one paper one and I've done 11 on arena. I've actually kind of not done as many this week, but uh, I think it's, I don't think it's as good as Kamigawa. Cause like Kosa said, it was like that sets up there. But I still think it's really freaking great. If the Brothers War turns out to be as good as this Dominaria appears to be, where do you think like this year would be in terms of just like the standard, the four standard legal sets and their like draft formats being good? How far down does Kapena drag it? And just how far is like Kamigawa and like Dominaria so far being really good bring it up? I think it would be probably about on par with the previous year. Cause in the last year they had the one, I mean, I, I can't think of this as directly. Um, Kaldheim, Strixhaven, Zendikar. Zendikar. Yeah. yeah. Kaldheim yeah. was good. Zendikar was okay. Strixhaven was good, but no one got to play it. So it didn't matter. Um, I don't know. AFR like, was great. I feel like they've done a really good job. There's just, they've been a couple bad sets and then, you know, I think their average is, is on par. Oh, come on. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's, that's a great way to, uh, to end the podcast there. So unfortunately, uh, the Micah just got cut out, but, um, <laughs> that's so funny cause he's just frozen on my screen now, but yeah, same. Well, I don't know if this recording will hold, but since we lost them, uh, I'll just keep going with this and just say that I think that the Boulder's Gate, or sorry, the Compena, um, like, because of the length of it, it really dragged, it kind of drags down that whole stretch. Hold on, let's put Mike on the line and see what he says. Mr. Well, unfortunately, with uh, our host being uh, uh, <laughs> forced off the podcast, uh, I will go ahead and sign us off unless Chris, you have anything else to add before we head on out? No, that's okay. Let's just go ahead and, and drop it. This is already going to be a mess. <laughs> well, already then. Well, as always, uh, we appreciate you listening to us. Uh, I am not fl- as fluid with Mr. Micah doing this, but I will just say that, uh, you know, as always, we encourage you to uh, support your local LGS. We'll still be at juniors comics and cards located on Manchac and slaughter. And, uh, doing our draft this week if you're in bastrop please check out forcible gaming they're always looking for new players and continue to build their community um, you can also check online they do uh have already posted their next uh conference at the bastrop convention center uh, i believe it's around december if i'm not mistaken so check that out if you wish to sell some of your cards um, if you're in san marcus uh, or any cards delivered to you, uh, for, uh, Alpha Strike Gaming in San Marcos, great place, competitive pricing, uh, have plenty of new cards from this set, so make sure you check them out. Uh, but that is it for today's podcast. Um, if you have any questions or would like to you know, send us an email, uh, you can do that at untappedmailbag at gmail.com. Uh, you can even, we'll even do shout outs. You know, whatever you want us to do, we'll do it. We'll do a little charade. 
we'll have uh, Chrissy D do a rap finally, you know, if you just email us. Um, but that is it for whatever episode this is. <laughs> I am your co-host, Costa, uh, Chrissy D. Uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs>